Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lang. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame. The highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons that we never knew we needed to learn, but are so grateful that we did. So we talk a lot about our mental health as adults, or at least we should, and are trying to, and we are better able to understand what is going on with us doesn't tend to make it any less scary, but at least we can articulate it and digest it. But when we're kids and this stuff is happening, it's even more confusing and frightening and not just for us, but everyone around us. Kids can be scared by difference and that can lead to a ton of isolation. Vittorio Angelone and I are discussing all of this and more today. Okay, so it is around 2005, 2006, the great, great years of the mid-noughties where everything was just kicking off. We are in Belfast at school. And in this moment, Victoria, why do you think you've got no friends? Uh, Because I can't quite make it into school a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, So I had... It's it's an interesting thing to have had like a I don't know if you would call it a mental health crisis, but it's 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 a weird to have like that kind of stuff going on when you're like nine, mm. because a lot of the conversations that would probably be a bit more candid or frank about it were probably being had with my parents rather than with me. Mm. So I didn't I didn't know that it was like looking back panic attacks, anxiety attacks, probably agoraphobia, all these different things. But like, cause then it was just like, it was like in uh, like codified words for kids. Mm. So the therapist at the hospital was like, and when you have a wobble, 
right yeah what does it feel like where do you feel it and i had to like draw a little thing to represent what not now i'm like oh that was clearly a panic attack or an anxiety attack yeah but at the time i didn't really know what it was and i still don't and i had a notion a while ago but it's quite a scary thing to access the or try and access like the hospital records Mm, okay to be like because you have like some like legal right to like the notes that were made about you Mm. or something that's like a freedom of information thing uh so i have a notion to be like i would be really interested to see what because i only have like little clues like i found a book beside my mum's bed when i was like nine Mm. that was like is your child an indigo child Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I was like, that, that sounds that, like it's about me. Does your, is your child an indigo child? Sounds like you're under some kind of curse. <laughs> that, <laughs> like I was. That's fucking mental. Um, is, is your child one of the annual cultures? Yeah, it was <laughs> like, yeah, very strange. And then I Googled it recently. It basically means like autism. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. what it means. Right. Um, so, uh, and that's a whole different thing that I'm kind of going through now of like, potentially seeking autism diagnosis mm, which is fun mm. um, i bet it's it is. a fun process that takes fucking ages but i get loads of jokes out of it which is all i care about really yeah um but basically yeah so i was petrified of going into school petrified of leaving the house mm. uh when i made it into school i would maybe make it through like a couple lessons and then like just get really really scared and like run out of the room wow um and stuff like that it's re- it was bad it was really horrible i don't know like it's such a hard thing for me to grab a hold of now but in hindsight i'm like yeah i couldn't massive separation anxiety very scared of being away from the house and then mm. um, which is a strange thing and obviously very frustrating for my parents because i would like freak out be in tears in school and then my mom and dad like they both have full-time jobs would have to like pick me up take me home mm. and then when i was home i was fine because mm, mm. of course i was fine because that's where i'm fine so it's such a brutal thing to pick up your screaming child from school, take him home, and then he just sits and watches TV, like, yeah. happy. It's like, well, obviously you're happy yeah. because you're just in your house. But it's hard to, like, rationalize that to be like, well, he's obviously, something's going on with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, But but there's good sides. You get away with stuff when you've got severe mental health problems. I punched my primary school principal. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck you. Oh, fucking heaven. Because I, just, I just needed to, I, I would like freak out and like run away from school. And the principal tried to like grab me. Oh. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> just, um, yeah. Punched the principal. Take that, Mrs. McCacken. Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Who was made if she's made it to be headmistress? She's probably not in the prime of her youth. At least in her 60s. At least. She's like a small lady. Oh, fucking up. I mean, she shouldn't have tried to grab you. Well, yeah, you can't grab kids, but it was 2005. We were all all grabbing kids in 2005. Um. Yeah. So that kind of sent this like little spiral of me just being very like othered from my class because I wasn't there a lot of the time and some people were absolutely lovely. I remember a girl, (laughs) Bria, just being super supportive. Like anytime I could make it into the lessons, there was ages where I would go into school 
from like the staff entrance and mm. just sit mm. in the principal's office and do worksheets because mm. I was like academic like I, I could do all the stuff mm. but I just couldn't be in the room with everybody else so I would just do the worksheets that everybody else was doing but just by myself without like the taught bit of the lesson but it was fine I just cracked on with my own stuff um, and so I was very like separate and I, but then when I was in like some people were very like cool about it but then some people were very some of the other students were like obviously because that's what kids do mm. if you had a student in your class that like would freak out start crying and mm. run out of the room every mm. so often mm. as a nine-year-old you're like he's fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> fucking weirdo yeah so yeah. it's like i don't know like of course they were a bit like mm. weird mm. with me so that mm. that's fine um there was one really tricky thing where uh i went to secondary school and a guy there was a guy who moved to my primary school when in like uh i'm trying to think english school years year five which mm. is what because we, we don't have reception with primary six Mm -hmm. um so the second last year of primary school and he obviously like moving to a new school at that point is like tricky and he came from a private school and then came to our school so he was kind of getting a bit of like stick for being like posh or whatever and it was like a whole thing oh my god it's, um, it's really really hard when people do that <laughs> yeah but if you don't want your kid to if you don't know what it's like to <laughs> and have it taken up it's of you really but it was the day we went and played that school at football mm we realized that they wore like like proper prep school uniforms like shorts blazers they had like little caps and all Jesus. like the if you drew a picture of like a dorky prep school oh, kid like that's what they sake. wore and when we came back we were like yo you used to have the dress like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking crazy so that was the whole thing and he was like trying to slot himself in or whatever um but then when we went to secondary school, I'd kind of gotten over a lot of this kind of real panic attacks and mm. all that stuff. So I was kind of okay going into school. Uh, much more so. It would still flare up every so often, but it wasn't evident to everybody else in the same way that it was in primary school. Mm. And anytime me and this guy got in an argument, he would be like, do you want me to tell everybody what you were like in primary school? Holy shit. And kind of like held it over me. That's so fucking manipulative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, a yeah. little shit. Yeah. Do you know, just having gone to an all-girls boarding school and it being like 95% of the reason why I'm so fucked up. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. it is that that psychological torture. Mm. It's fucking mental. I also love... You'd rather be punched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You'd yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. rather, like, just punch me in the face. Just get it over and done with. Yeah, that's fine. Rather than this, like, torment yeah, that makes like... you question if you are actually existing or not. But um, I just love that you prefaced that whole story with every time we got in a fight like it. Was, it was, but like even just, just anything, it would just be like any kind of disagreement. Do you want me to just, tell them what you were like? And I was like, fuck. What a nasty little fuck with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to your fucking blazer and cap, you twat. <laughs> That's mental. Yeah, so that was tricky. Um, and I don't, I don't like begrudge him that, obviously... Everybody copes in different ways, but yeah. yeah, that's my... It's just self-preservation. So I was, had this, I was quite strange. I never really fitted into any of the 
cliques, which is so common in comedians. They're like, oh, I kind of drifted between mm. friendship groups. But there were some points I just, I'm quite bad socially. And mm. my girlfriend thinks it's because I was out of school a lot when I was 9, 10, and 11. Right. Because apparently that's when you learn how to like talk to people. So when this is forming and you're yeah. So I was, I just didn't really have that. Yeah. I was in like a separate room doing worksheets and stuff. Um, I remember even when I was in the classroom, and this is where the kids like, there was just like any weakness for kids is just like open season. Yeah. We watched uh, Roald Dahl's The Witches, the film, on like Thursday afternoons. We could like watch a movie that was like. The the, the OG one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the other one came out in like 2020. So yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't the very, re- that would be strange. Yeah, we time traveled every Thursday. <laughs> It's uh, crazy how they got films early in Belfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got early because it's closer to America. Uh, but yeah. we, so yeah, it was like golden hour every Thursday where you would like watch a movie. And they had just like had a stack of like VHSs. Yeah. And basically the class would like vote on what they wanted to watch. Sick. And we watched The Witches and I got freaked out by it i think partly because it like is a separation it's like a kid being removed from his Mm. family and this whole thing and i like had a panic attack and like Mm. freaked out and left the room Mm. and every thursday from that point onwards the whole class would vote for the witches every week oh my god kids are fucking (laughs) kids witches sick like it's such good fascist it's so good by them like it's so sick to be like let's fuck it (laughs) so i had to leave the room every golden hour on thursdays i love that that opportunity of a thursday at school to be able to watch a movie and they they forfeited that hour and a half of joy <laughs> for five minutes of pure fucking ecstasy. I mean, surely if you're the teacher, you take it out of the running. <laughs> Just imagine the teacher in the front being like, no, oh, you kids. <laughs> oh, off you go, Vittorio. <laughs> And I would just leave, like, we wouldn't even, I would leave before they started the, which is crazy as a teacher to be like, you. That's mental. Go do worksheets and everybody else will watch this film. Yeah. That they've chosen so that you have to leave. That we've watched for the last six weeks, like prisoners watching Shawshank or fucking something. That's, that's insanity. Yeah, very wild. Um, That teacher, man, that teacher had checked out. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, fuck him. (laughs) He punched the principal. <laughs> Fuck him. So I was quite awkward socially and quite difficult socially. And I, I always found this when I was like early teenager. I was like, I'm not. People aren't liking me. Mm. And I don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I got I, the worst idea in my head. But I think we've all had this idea where I just said to a guy once, I was like, why don't you like me? And he was like, it's so weird that you would ask me that. And I was like, well, obviously there's a reason you don't like me and I'd like to know why you don't like me. And he was like, I don't know. I just don't like you. And I was like, right. Well, that's no help. Give me something I can work with. But it's it's just such an insane thing to think someone's going to give you an answer to that you can fix. I, mean, I keep on referring friends in this podcast. It's an episode of Friends when Charlie goes to the theatre and the woman stands at the front and goes, Why don't you like me? Oh, yeah. Chapter one. <laughs> My, My first spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Divorce is a four-letter word. That <laughs> <laughs> images of you in the playground going, Why don't yeah. you like me? Ridiculous. And it's just like... that's But that response... 
is so much worse than like a polarized one, like a superlative thing of going like, it's this reason or this reason. And in hindsight, like now that I'm like potentially seeking diagnosis with autism, mm -hmm. like how autistic is that? To be like, why don't you like me dead? In why the don't eye? you like me? And how do I fix it <laughs> to the person's face? Mate, that's not, you can't do that. <laughs> Kid looking around like, <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck am I supposed to? <laughs> Mrs. McAllister. <laughs> but just being like, well, you have to tell me. Yeah. Because I need to know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To fix this. But like, nobody's going to coach you on how to be their friend. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's like. I don't know, just what a, what a tough existence. And as well as as uh, if if this this was in secondary school when that happened, so it's like yeah, like sort of getting towards um, early adolescence or um, mm. you know puberty and all that shit, where you're desperately like seeking an identity of any kind. Mm. And when when I went to when I went to boarding school, oh, that poor little girl. When I went to boarding school, I, like, loved horses. <laughs> nice. You were yeah. a horse girl? I was a real horse girl. Sick. Fucking loved a horse, did I? Fucking loved a horse. And realised, like, super quick. Because my identity at primary school had been the girl who really liked horses. And for some reason, that was fucking cool. I don't know why. You were cool because you cool liked cool horses? I liked horses. <laughs> that says so much about how posh I am. There was a girl in my primary school <laughs> like, whose whole thing was she loved horses. I would have bullied her. Fucking crucified. <laughs> I I would have stopped having a panic attack and be like, "That's fucking weird." Oh my god! Thank <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> Let's take the heat off me for a second. That's someone weirder than I am. <laughs> Let's watch Black Beauty I was again. Just gonna say that. <laughs> no, I was cool. I, that was a cool thing. You like, were crushing it as a horse I girl. I was crushing it. Nice. And because I crushed it, like, so hard. Before, you went into secondary school with, like, like I've got horses. it, guys. I've got it on lock. I'm the horse girl. Yeah, I'm the horse girl. This is my identity. And then realized... And it wasn't even that it, like, wasn't cool. It's just that no one acknowledged it. No one cared. No one cared. And so I was like... <laughs> Oh, like I need to, I need to look for something else here that, you know, stakes out my identity in this year group. Um, it wasn't horses. And I tried for a bit, just like no one caught on. <laughs> um, and then like, but it's this thing with sort of early adolescence when you're going like I, because uh, school is a fucking minefield. And when you're, when you're in there and it, and it's, and it's not fun, you're going, okay, you know, you don't have the wherewithal to understand the future and like project yourself on going, you know, it's, it's going to be fine one mm. day. You're going, this is where I am now. This is where I exist. I need to mold myself and make this safe, this place as safe as possible. And if no one is giving you any tools to do that by yeah, you facing yeah. up to this kid going, just tell me what I have to do. And then being like, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the straightaway, like the worst way to get someone to <laughs> like you. to everybody. <laughs> but it's like, just to like, even if you're trying to like flirt with someone or do anything, like trying to become... Oh, who you oh, yeah, think yeah. they want you to be oh it's the worst is like the worst tactic ever yeah. but I think so many people do that oh god I in, did it for years like yeah. years but in relationships as well basically like you're projecting an imagined version of yourself that you think they'll like mm. but you've imagined a version of them because you don't know what they like yeah. so there's just two fake people interacting yeah. in between the two people that are actually there Yeah, and it's just yeah of course that's why they don't get on with you because there's so much need. The worst thing to feel is like 
someone needs you to like them. It's just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God. It's like, it's like cloying. But this, like, I think it's really great that you bring up that, like, to do with relationships because it's something I talk about quite a lot. This, like, um, um, the, the scanning someone and looking for your perceived holes in them and then trying to fill them in the mm. least, like, graphic possible but like going okay what do they need how can i be that person for them and completely altering yourself and molding yourself into that thing mm. is destructive not only for you but also for them because you are not being authentic to your to mm. yourself you're creating an entirely different thing and you're right about the projecting thing as well to go i imagine this is what you want i imagine this is who yeah. you are and then when they don't live when they don't do that you're like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Like, and it's really, and it's really distressing. But it happens with everything. You see comedians do it, who do a show that they think the audience will like. And it's like, well, and then if that goes badly or like making anything, mm. like you got to just make the stuff that you like. Because if you try and make what you think they want and then it doesn't go well, you don't like it. And mm. they don't, like nobody likes what you did. Mm. Whereas if you just do the stuff that you like, mm. at least you fucking like it. If your aim is to be as yourself as possible, if someone doesn't like that, you go, well, I wasn't aiming to please you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was aiming sure. to be myself. Yeah. So yeah, that's means- a shame that you didn't like it. But it's not the fucking end of my identity. Yeah. Um, what point, I say at what point, because it might not have happened, but I'm just assuming it happened. Did you Did you become cool at any point? No, I don't think I've ever been cool. It's very, although it's very easy to be cool when you study classical music at a music college. It's just an absolute, everybody, all the dorks from every school around the country end up in one institution. So if you've ever played sports, you're just like the alpha. (laughs) 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 But it's mad how people still sort themselves into like, like hierarchies that have always been there so like Mm. uh even at a music college in the classical music department like where everybody is a fucking dork oh yeah let's just segue here guys i got very close to the mic for that um victoria and i went to the same the same arts what we fuck we conservatoire oh my god what a fancy fucking word we went to the i i studied um acting and victoria studied music god i'm so glad i've got a ba (laughs) (laughs) I've got a B minus. Do you know what I got a two one? I got a two one too. Yeah, it's not bad. I nearly got a first. I was really. I really, fucking didn't. I was really close to her. Yeah, but yours is a spoof. They says the act. You don't have to do any exams. How the hell do they give you a degree? I I spent my eldest brother who went to Oxford and his wife went to Oxford as well. He studied classics and she studied history of art. And uh, and he was like, oh god, Sophie, Sophie, like he was joking, but he was like, Sophie pretends she did it, she did a degree, but actually she did like two essays a time. I was like, I got a fucking degree. I was a gorilla for a month. Oh, like, animals. That's. I had a mate called Martin who's from Paisley, which is just outside Glasgow. Oh, I know him. Martin Quinn. Yeah, really. He's brilliant. Really, really. Funny. <laughs> he was in Let the Right One In. He's brilliant. I love yeah, him so much. Yeah. Um, he was one of my best friends uh, at uh, Guildhall. Where we went. And he. Uh, he had this really funny thing where we were, I became friends with like quite a lot of Scottish people when I arrived because they don't make fun of your accent quite as much as English people do. Sure. Uh, and me and a couple of them were going to go watch the Celtic match at the pub. It's a really nice pub in Camden where they show Celtic matches. The Sheephaven Bay, I would recommend. Catch Vittorio there um, every Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I'm there a lot. <laughs> but uh, I, we were like, oh, do you want to come watch the match? Mm. And Martin was in the middle of his animals project. Yeah. Oh my God. And he went, no, man, 
I've got to go to the I zoo. I have to go practice my tiger. I fucking hate this course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The, I have like, to practice my tiger. I have to practice my tiger. I fucking hate this course. Like. I just I know that we are segueing out, out of what we're discussing, but let's just I just want to take a little moment to talk about what it's like doing an acting degree because it is fucking mental. I tried. I auditioned for drama school after I did music college. Did you audition for Guildhall? I got into the final round at Guildhall. Yeah, you fucking did. That's two days long. It's mental. Yeah, it was mad. I had a really good time, but I'm so glad I didn't get in because I would have got in in 2020. Oh shit, boy! Which would have been the worst. Yeah. Drama school. I feel so bad for those people who were doing like movement classes on Zoom. No, I can't. I, I it's like so much of the magic that I don't want to say magic. I sound like a dick, but it, it, there are parts of it that are really fucking magic, and so much of that exists in this kind of community that you have mm. being all together. So I, I, re, I remember when that was going on. I was like, Jesus, I feel for the people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really, even just the real lack of social life and yeah. like Freshers Week is like a Zoom quiz. <laughs> and you're like, how are you supposed to? Like, this is when you're supposed to leave home. And meet people who have different opinions to you and have different cultural backgrounds to you and figure out some stuff. Mm. But you're not doing any of that. How are you supposed to figure out who you are? Like, even just the personal development away from, like, the professional side of the acting or anything. Mm. How are you supposed to get any of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At all. At all. It's like, there's just, like... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Shh, fucking door jam with life just being chunked out of like the 2020 people going to university i really felt for the graduating actors that mm. year as well because you and when you're at drama school like yeah you're doing all the training but you're leading up to this third year of showcase when you're doing these yeah. like public performances and it's so exciting and it's so great and that just got taken away it was fucking awful yeah they just had to do self-tapes and post them online that makes me want to vomit that's that's literally what i do as a professional actor. Yeah, self-tapes are the worst ever, but... Hell. Oh, do you, you do, do, you, do you self-tapes? I've done a few self-tapes, but just for, like, uh, like ads, mostly as what comedians get, because they don't think we can, like, act it properly. And um, I always feel so self-conscious when you have to show them your hands. I've never done that. I've never auditioned like, for now. half of my Instagram comments on my stand-up comedy clips are that my hands are really small. Let me see. I have little hands like do you? yeah <laughs> but it's like but yeah we have the same size hands yes but I've actually got quite big hands for a woman and also I'm not a, like a large I'm quite a small woman and mm. I they are I do have quite long fingers whatever way they look on camera they're just little fat baby hands and like loads of people are just like like it won't they'll just 
like they won't say anything other than just tiny hands. That's the whole comment. So when I have to do that in an ad, I'm like. Well, I know this is going to fuck it. If it wasn't a no before, it is now. I had to do an ad for a, a, a coffee cafe chain that I won't name. Because uh, you're not supposed to. I don't. I didn't actually sign an NDA. But, Starbucks. Uh, no, it wasn't Starbucks. <laughs> um, but I was. Uh, I was. The part was like the whole ad. They like sent you the whole thing. It was like this woman's having a terrible day. All these bad things happened to her, mm. and then she walks into this coffee chain, mm. and the barista, which is the part that I was going up for, gives spots her walk in and gives her a warm, kind but professional smile. basically going he's not flirting with her (laughs) there is nothing sexual about this she does not feel uncomfortable but that was the whole tape (laughs) because I know exactly what that is when you literally have to go like sorry for for the listeners I'm now going to do an impression of what what you maybe have to do it's like a 10 second clip of you going yeah (laughs) you like spot someone walking in and go and you're like what am I doing and (laughs) And you have lights set up and a camera and you've got a backdrop and you're like, you you do it like 10 times yeah. in your room. It's insane. And make your partner watch it be like, is this one better? They'd be like, they're the same. You're just smiling, you freak. <laughs> don't fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> um, doing Hanging Nights in Course, we spent, you do spend uh, first year Guildhall. And the first time I spent entirely doing animals and we had to go to the zoo every single weekend. Bearing in mind, we, we, got, we had a zoo pass so we didn't have to pay for it. Was yours a gorilla? Yeah. but we, They don't do primates anymore. They stopped that. Yeah, I was given special allowance. Oh. Yeah, I know, which I felt quite spe- special about because I think um, I wanted to be a lion and they were like, no. And then I was like, well, can I be like a notter? And mm. they were like, no. I think no. now they just assign them. Just they like tell you what you have to be we we gave suggestions and then they they went no you yeah my girlfriend had to be a camel <laughs> <laughs> just rough <laughs> so, and then he spent he spent a time doing it i don't know if they still do this but they did the, did they do the animal showing yeah <laughs> the animal showing it's is a when, zoo. it's a zoo that you as a probably 18 19 20 year old I was 19. You you are in your black leotard and black leggings and you, for about an hour and a half, pretend to be a gorilla and people stand and watch you. Yeah. And that's, I got a degree. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild. But it's so fun. They really get, yeah, I find that over like the two day final round thing. Like mm. I'm so skeptical and so like comedian about everything. Like I'll just make fun of everything and yeah, like just yeah, whatever. Yeah. just separate myself from any kind of vulnerability often but like they get you into it like i remember during that those like movement workshops they were like oh what's um they were like right be spaghetti oh yeah oh my god that does that literally like that smacked me in the retina and straight away like i'm i was like cooked or uncooked (laughs) like straight away they will hate yeah of course they They hate that they they just don't because they love to feel like they're imparting knowledge. Yes. This is what I've learned about auditions is you have to massage their ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas I'm really bad at that. Yeah. Like. Yeah, they would have fucking hated that. They I remember they, so they, this guy at one of the drama school auditions thought he was like unlocking something in me. In the interview, he was like, 
And I'd like, it was one of the ones which I liked where all the other auditionees were in the room while you were doing your monologue. Oh, blimey, I never did that. Loved it. Because I can just... Perform. Kill it. Like, I can yeah, just do, yeah, I can yeah. just make people laugh. Yeah. I know how to do that. Yeah. So I was like, bah, 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 and people were laughing and all of it. Yeah. And there was a bit in one of the speeches where I had to turn to someone and, like, tell them to shut the fuck up. And I just said to one of the other auditionees, I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because he was laughing. And it was yeah. just so fun and funny. And I was like, I've done really good there. And then the guy in the interview was like, you know, like, what makes you angry? Oh, in my a God, way yeah. where, where he was like, you haven't shown us any anger. Yeah. Like, are you scared of being angry? Victoria, what happens when the laughter stops? Well, this is the fucking thing. Yeah. So he's like, what makes you angry? And I was like, questions like that. <laughs> oh, my God, you dick. Like, I love it so much. I love it. Well, I fucking, love it. He wanted me to be like, oh, I've never really thought oh, about that before. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! I just felt a new part of myself. I yeah. never knew it was that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they want. They want yeah. like he's like moldable, or and you're like right, fine. They no, want whatever. they want to be the person. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Um, I was having this conversation the other day. I don't I don't sponsor anybody yet in um in any fellowship, but like uh, I was talking about it to another fellow in AA the other day. Who was like, you know, being when I when I become a sponsor to someone. I know all I'm going to be focusing on is the fact that I want my sponsee to go to meetings and be like, my sponsor said this incredible thing. Oh, and like, quote so ego me. driven. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. unless it's like life changing, mm. I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, I want to inform you so much that you are, you're like altered by my presence. Yeah, that's so, that's, so yeah, that's the exact same thing. And it's that, it's the, it's yeah. that so much ego and also yeah. so much ego comes into being an addict as well. So it's not fucking surprising. Um, I'm so, actually, I guess I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, was, were you in all, it was a co-ed school? Yeah. Blows my mind. <laughs> I would think that you were really cool. I'd want you to be my friend. No. No, it was very strange. I remember being like behind on a lot of stuff. I was like late to have my first kiss. How old are you when you had your first kiss? 14, which doesn't feel late now. No. But at the time yeah. I was like one of the last. Yeah, yeah, man. And now I'm like anyone under 14 who is kissing, mm. that is so gross and weird. They are mm. full children. Like mm. that's mm. horrific. Mm. But yeah, 14 and then... Just thought, like, I was very, didn't really have a girlfriend. And then when I did, I was, like, all in. Oh, yeah. All in. Like, I got when I was 15. And... This is what Sarah Q was. We, I, was we I listened to that episode. Yeah. We had that. I mean, I've... Keyworth was talking about, like, how she didn't think there was any, like, other queer women yeah, out yeah, there yeah, in yeah. the world. I was yeah. like, no other woman will have me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. It's that feeling. Yeah. And... So I was with her from when I was 15 till I was 20. Shit's a brick, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bloody hell. So that was my whole identity. That's that's what I found mm. was like, as long as she, like mm. everything I do makes her happy. And like it was, I'm her boyfriend. Then before I'm fine I with everything else. else. I'm fine. It's fine. so that's, it's like um that extreme codependent thing mm. of going like, as long as I'm making them happy, as long as I'm carrying all their pain, as long as I can control the emotions and you know it's okay i'm good that's I'm so good. much pressure to put on a person though so much in pressure. hindsight i'm like yeah. fuck yeah that must have been really rough yeah, to like yeah, yeah. the entirety of my identity that. happiness and life everything is lying yeah on you yeah 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 um yeah it's fucking it's horrendous so it's that 
that permeated into like my first two and a half years of uni as well. Oh which God. is an interesting when you were percussionist at Guildhall yeah, which know. is the coolest of all the instruments it's really not uh, it's really really not um, <laughs> I I tried to get with all the musicians and no one no one would have me yeah really yeah the music the actors were always like mythical creatures to us I think because we are because you got good posture <laughs> people just comment underneath being like rounded shoulders oh no <laughs> no it's, it's better these days oh, are but you scared to open up fuck off no, it's and i think it's genuinely to do with because i was so um concerned with being really skinny at the time because i was I had a terrible eating disorder mm. classic fucking drama school and um and i thought that if i opened up my shoulders and stood back mm. that i would look more broad so i i hunched to make yeah you want to squish yourself in. yeah to make my like collarbone come out <laughs> and like literally skinny which is just fucking horrendous. Like, what, what the fuck? And I got, and again, I will just reiterate, I got a fucking degree. Like, ugh. Yeah, you didn't get a degree in eating disorders. <laughs> I bloody did. <laughs> I got a PhD in that. <laughs> I got a Bachelor Pretty of huge art. dysmorphia. It's, it's fucking awful but um i remember always being really impressed by the opera singers i was really impressed by the really well, they're the worst people they, ever oh no, they, sh- they talk guy, so loud they, they, were- <laughs> <laughs> they do because they want to they want to show off that i support everything with my diaphragm and this is how i talk even when i'm just at the pub shut the fuck up jeremy please jeremy christ on a bike <gasps> that's i Last year, I met some people in the pub who were at Guildhall as opera singers. Mm. And no, I know that this it is a craft that requires a lot of training, a lot of training. But they, the opera singers, it's like seven years. Longer, yeah, they're mad, yeah. That's what it takes to be a fucking doctor. Yeah. I was like, that. they were there when I was there. And I was like, you're still there? Well, half the problem is that you, your voice doesn't, it doesn't develop until yeah. you're like 29 or whatever. Yeah, so basically they stay in education so that they can keep honing it and massaging it and working on See, it until makes, they're 29, That makes basically. sense because I was like, well, that's fuck. Are you going to the zoo every weekend? No, <laughs> no, they weren't going to the zoo quite as much. Right, um, I, just, I just want to revert back to school. Did you find when you went to Guildhall that you found your place a little bit more or you found your identity a bit more? Uh, I guess the only way I would think I found some sense of identity is uh, I often think you identify with what makes you different. Mm. Or I found that like whatever sets you apart from the whoever you're around is what you kind of latch on to. Mm. And it's whatever someone tries to take away from you. Yeah. Is what you kind of hold on to the most. So when I moved to London, I became so much more Irish. I was going to say, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Because I'd never seen myself as Irish before. Yeah. But suddenly it's novel because you've been in Ireland. Everyone else is Irish. To be honest, when I was a kid, I was like Italian. That's how people. No. (laughs) 
that's how people would like refer to me or like be like the Italian because that was what made me different. You do have a confusing name. Vittorio Angeloni is fucking wild to be called when you talk like this. <laughs> but people, so that's what would kind of be the thing. But then when you move to um, London, I was like the Irish guy, which yeah. is why I found so much um, community amongst my Scottish friends and like going to watch Celtic and stuff was yeah, just like... Yeah. I can just be a person. Mm. I don't have to be the Irish guy. I don't have to represent my whole yeah. whatever. But then you put that on yourself. You are like Irish. And I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be part of this like very uh, upper middle class uh, institution of like a lot of elitism. And mm. I'm not, I don't mm. like to use elitism as like a dirty word because it's fucking good. Sometimes mm. the best people should do those stuff. Mm. It's good to be good. That things. I think it's good to work hard and get better and mm. aim to be one of the best in your field. I think that's a good thing. Mm. But um, <clears throat> it is inherently that. And it because it's classical music, it's there's a huge kind of class thing. And I'm middle class. But then you arrive and you meet like fucking middle, like upper. Like you're like, fuck, that's a different thing. And then Emily Lang swans into the fucking Yes, <laughs> I meet people like you. You <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it's just like, yeah, it's yeah, things yeah. like that where you're like, oh, fuck, you paid more to go to secondary school than you're paying. Yeah. Although I was, I was desperately at that point trying to be like, I'm not push. Of course, so yeah. And like, this is this bizarre thing where people get really angry at posh people for pretending they're not posh mm. and I'm like well then stop fucking placing so much value on not being posh mm. it's not their fault what their parents did it's not your fault what mm. your parents did or what your parents gave you or what your mm. the opportunities your parents tried to give you mm. of course they did the be like fucking nepo babies and I'm like yeah I hope my kids have opportunities that I didn't have that's mm. what we all one. So we've sort of discussed a lot about what was going on at the school and the things about yourself and how you were like no one likes me and uh, and it was a fucking struggle. But what what are the things, despite kids not liking you when you were little, what are the things now that you really love and like about yourself? Oh, I hate this. I, I hate, know everyone I fucking hates yeah. this question. It's so like the only person who liked this question was Grace Campbell, who was like, "I'm just." Of course, she fucking did. <laughs> And who was on there? Harry Travolden took it to the first and was like, <laughs> was like, I'm how just gonna do you list. do that? How do you have that kind of fucking? I just, I'm such, I'm so not a fan of myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do I like about me? I think I like maybe work hard. That's really that's great. Yeah, people tell me I work hard. Diligence. I, I think I think that's just from. It comes from like music college of that thing of like people are doing eight hours a day and like practice. practice, practice. Mm. So the work ethic of like classical musicians is like insanely high. How old were you when you started playing? Uh, like 11. Right. But that's like crazy high. So and then the average work ethic of like a comedian is like so low. Right. So even though I wasn't a very hardworking classical musician, yeah. that still makes me like the most hardworking comedian yeah, yeah, that's yeah. ever existed. So yeah, it's just yeah. like. It's just a fluke that I'm still have that guilt of like, I need to be doing this like eight hours a day because that's what people in music college do. Yeah. And it almost kind of goes unacknowledged, I think, because like um, if you are a musician, um, again, it was Jordan Gray I was discussing this with, like 
if you are a musician, that's just what you do. You mm. just like you just practice if mm. you're already dedicated to it, and it kind of goes unacknowledged, and people then stand back and go, "Wow, that's really impressive," and you're like, "Is it? It's just what I do," mm. and then to actually acknowledge it and go, "Wow, I am really diligent. I am really hardworking mm. and tenacious. That's fucking great," and I think it's really good to recognize it. So at this portion of the podcast, we like to call thank you letters because we like to express gratitude and thanks for people in all places, all things in mm. our life that we are grateful for who would you like or what or where would you like to say thank you to my mother oh <laughs> she's the best and i felt really bad recently because i was i always had such like a like difficult like period of my childhood mm. she said to me recently she was we were having like a bit of a heart to heart and she was like is there anything i could have done better and i was like oh no no. It so wasn't your fault. It's crazy. That's so like it's just, but she obviously just had no idea what to do because what the fuck would you do if your kid just couldn't go to school and like and your brother was, was alright hard yeah both I'm the middle child older and younger brothers right. and they were both like I mean I don't know but like seemed fine going to school and stuff but it was like like what would you do when your child is obviously going through so much like pain and mm. panic and fear mm. for seemingly no reason and it's like you would feel like you'd fucked up but it's just like it was just a difficult thing yeah. and it's not your it's not, your it's fault. not that it's her fault uh yes yeah, so th thank you to your mother is anyone else or anywhere my mom and my dad and like um i love that th i think they're just the they've they, been great are they still together yeah oh well done yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well done irish good job team Damn well that is beating the odds. <laughs> um, so we had some thank you letters from listeners and we're going to read some of them out. Um, so we've had someone who says they want to say thank you for their cat and their cat's paws and tail, which I definitely understand because I say thank you to Mickey every day for that. Thank you. Thank thank my home for being warm. It's a very privileged position during a cost of living crisis. Yep, but that's absolutely. Okay. <laughs> thank myself for surviving. That's nice. Uh, thank my legs for carrying me around when I've been so mean to them. Yeah, I've done that. I've, I've massive whore to my legs gone um and someone said i just want to send love and appreciation to everyone out there who is struggling which is really really lovely um and uh, we also have a couple of survivor stories little survivor bites bites of survival um which we are going to read now i am 50 days sober thank you for sharing your story it helps me remember that i'm not alone on this journey Mm. 50 days is fucking decent isn't it 50 days is fucking cool that's a good little milestone that's um like uh, anyone who's been in an AA room who's shared a milestone will just like see the fucking uproar and people are like oh you want to feel good about yourself yeah. go into an AA room be like I'm 24 hours sober people will lose their shit yeah and you'll get the you get a two month yeah chip really soon so fuck, yeah going. I actually I found I found my two month chip um in my coat pocket the other day from a year ago which is so great um yeah 50 days getting sober in any way in that that starting period is always so so tough so tough and um if you if you've managed to get to this point you're fucking killing it um one day at a time you know god willing but it's okay just keep going on your journey um We've got, I am also a survivor of sexual assault. Hearing your story has given me the strength and space to share my experience with my family and ask for help, which is fucking amazing because it's a really, really difficult, difficult thing to do. And um, 
because it's so shrouded in shame um and a lot of a lot of pain and i and uh i've i've shared this um before but you know i i when it happened to me i i told my mum, and then we didn't talk about it for another 10 years so i i really really understand and well done for doing that i also like feel like when i'm sharing survivor stories and they go like thank you for sharing your story it's like i'm just fucking giving myself a big pat on the back yeah that's what it felt like. Yeah, it really does. It felt like that to me. Yeah, it felt really self-indulgent what you just really did. I felt like Tom Hiddleston at the Golden Globes. Yeah, I'm so sorry you're going through that, aren't I? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry I was drunk, but at least I'm a really cool person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a positive note, I'm class. Um, tell me... Do you have any upcoming shows or tours? I'm on tour soon. It's so crazy like that you're on tour. <laughs> no, it's a really cool show. I'm really proud of it. Uh, it's touring. It's nearly all sold out on the tour. There's tickets left in Southampton, Cambridge, Darwin, Sheffield, Galway, Limerick. I don't know why I thought I could sell tickets in Southampton or Cambridge. Not my crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but maybe yours so please do come along oh my god yeah I'll get all my friends <laughs> so come along uh, it's uh, yeah it's really cool I got nominated for an award it's kind of about my experience being Irish in England and it's way funnier than it sounds that's amazing um, thank you so so much for coming really appreciate it thank you for your honesty thank you for your openness thank you for being really funny and um you know obviously, thank you for having me also for the um for the, for the any accent. voiceover agents that want to <laughs> pick me up please do <laughs> do my proper voiceover voice thank you thank you thank you join me next week with my beautiful new friend comedian pierre novelli if you or anyone you know is struggling or needs help with the issues discussed on Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends, please visit the podcast bio where you will find contact numbers with people readily available to give support. Please get in touch with your survivor stories at either contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at emily underscore laying underscore UK. To have your story or your thank you letter read on the podcast, please put survivor story or thank you letter either at the top or in the subject line. We really want to hear from you. We don't care if it's a catastrophe story or a small win from your week, your favourite place, person or thing. We are here for all of it. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.